God. Amen. Can you say he's my God today? Amen. Why we can worship him? Because he's God. Amen. My, you know, I always loved the character Elijah in the Bible. His name meant, my God is Jehovah. Amen. He's my God this morning. And you know what he said? He wouldn't be ashamed to call us his people. I'm glad to be identified with him this morning. To be in the company of believers. To worship the Lord together. We just want to just move into the presence of the Lord today. And let him speak to us through the word of God. Amen. If you have a need in your life, why don't you just raise a hand to God and say, Lord, will you pass by my way today? Lord, in the name of Jesus, here and across the internet, wherever people are listening in, Lord, we want to thank you for your presence today. We want to thank you that you said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. And Lord, we're here at the end. And we believe that you are in a people. We believe that you're with the people. Lord, God, we just pray that you'll make yourself known to every individual today. May there be healing in the house of God, deliverance among your children. Lord, may we walk out of here encouraged, our heart lifted up, knowing exactly where we're at in the promise of the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Bless the sick and afflicted today. Our brother Ron, as he's trying to minister in the word today in the pulpit, we pray you'll give him strength supernaturally. Whatever need that your people has around the world, Lord, you know, Lord, that you can hear the faintest heart cry. We thank you, Lord, for the good reports that's coming from our sister Jeannie on her treatments. And we're just asking, Lord, that the whole tumor and everything else that are there will just vanish. Because you're the God that we know creates new cells. Because you created the heavens and the earth. And you can sure create within our bodies new cells. Replacing the old and driving out the evil. We believe you, Lord. That's what we do. We're believers. Oh, God, we are asking, Father, that you would help us. And as the word goes forth... You'll increase our faith to believe the word of promise for ever need today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord today and to have you here present with us. Amen. I pray that God will bless you in a very special way today. And we've um, got some things we want to look at in the word of God today. I'm going to try a little something different. And I don't promise to do this every time, but um, today I, I felt like I wanted to, to, uh, to place some things for you. And uh, this is Sunday, and we get, to, we get to teach the Word of God and preach uh, the truths that God has sent in this last day. And we're, we're not ashamed of the whole gospel of Christ. Amen. For it is the power of God and the salvation. And we're just looking to the Lord today now to minister to every heart and every life. Let's sing that song, What a Mighty God We Serve. Amen. I believe we serve a mighty God, don't you? Well, yeah, come on, give, it, give me another one. Right. What 
what a mighty God we serve. We've not forgotten what a mighty God we serve. whatever she ate and formed around the seed that God placed in her womb. And the earth had been cursed, but he came part of cursed earth to redeem us that we might be brought back to God again. Amen. What a mighty God we serve today. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 5 and we'll read from verse 10 this morning. Joshua chapter 5, verse 10. I'm going to be speaking on the, the old corn of the land. And uh, we're going to look here into the Word of God today and praying that He will just speak to you in a wonderful way today and reveal Himself and, uh, as we speak the Word. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. And, and uh, we are wanting to just place us where we are in time and what God is doing in the day and hour that we're living in. And remember, remember my little story that I had of going on a trip and, and uh, you know, and, and needing a map. And yet as we went along on the journey there, uh, we got lost along the way. And, and uh, the brother asked me, he said, uh, well, Brother Tim, look on this map and tell us where we are. And I said, well, no can't do it that way. You have to know where you're at. I said, so you, since you got lost, go in there and ask him, where are we? So once we found out where we were, I could find on the map and get where we were going. That brother was George Hamilton. You know that. Amen. We've told the story many, many times. God bless you, brother George. You have blessed many, many with that little incident. He says I embellished that story and I should have really told it right. But um, because we could, you know, we could have a lot of good times with that. But anyway, you know, it took in this day God to send us a prophet. We had a road map. But it took us a, a prophet in this day to open up the scripture and say, okay, here's where you come from. And now here's where you're at. You're way over here in the back of the book at the last church age. And where the seventh angel sounds his message. 
And, uh, and of course, in laying beyond that is the tribulation period that, thank God, we're raptured and don't go through. And, and then finally over into the Battle of Armageddon, which we will be a part of. We're already the winners. Amen. It's already said in the book. We win. Then we're, we're going to come, come on down to, to all the way to the new heavens and the new earth. And my, you know, the word of God is so rich and so full. And I'm so glad that we can be a part of that today. Joshua chapter 5 verse 10. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Sabbath. Uh, on the morrow after the Passover and unleavened cakes and parched corn in the same day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. God bless you as you are seated. Now, we, we have used the type of Israel's journey as we have uh, traveled, you know, from um, uh, all the way from Egypt to the promised land. And, you know, and, and of course, that is a, a shadow of the church as it takes its journey leaving Egypt and, his, and then, of course, the wilderness journey where the manna is poured out. And we, and we use this type in this way, that we, we have been on the journey and we have left Egypt. And, of course, oh, we will go to the millennium. And until the millennium, there is manna, which is a type of the Holy Ghost. He would pour out the Holy Spirit all the way to the millennium. So if you just stop and think about it, he even seals in 144,000 with the Holy Spirit after the Gentiles leave. So the Holy Spirit still keeps falling. and uh, It ends for the Gentiles and then we'll go to the Jews. So, you know, we have used it in that way. Today we're going to use the type differently. And, and this is one reason why that I have chosen to do the uh, overhead. We're going to be using the types. Uh, we're going to be speaking about Moses and where he types in this picture, um, where that uh, they come up to Kadesh Barnea and continued on into the wilderness. And then, and of course, um, but today we're going to use a type differently of the manna or the food during the wilderness, the manna that would only last for the day for, for each age like of Luther or Wesley or Pentecost, having fresh manna every day. You could not keep Luther's message over to Wesley's day because it had denominated. And it had bred worms and it stank. And, and manna cannot be held over unto another day. So the types we're going to use today is originally the, the church was like the family of Abraham, sojourning in the land of promise. Now, they didn't fully possess it. Um, and, you know, they, it was the promise was given. They walked over it. They claimed it. And, um, and, of course, then they were taken down into Egypt for 400 years. 
And so, but there, um, the, the church has been like the family of Abraham. Originally, we were in the promised land. The church was in the fullness of the word of God. Amen. The, the mysteries had been revealed to the apostle Paul, the truths of the word. Now, of course, the symbols and the things in the book of Revelation that would speak in our day, he didn't know of that. But things like predestination, the security of the believer, water baptism by immersion, these truths that got lost down to the ages, Paul understood that and brought it to the church. So, you know, they, in effect, they are the old corn or the produce of the land. So, you see, we, we are coming now to where we are again returning to the land, eating of the old produce of the land, what, what the land provides, what the Word of God, which is our promised land, provides for us. It all lays in the Word of God. We, we're not just having a temporary blessing of manna coming down and, and then that getting old and stinking and, and, and have to be renewed and refreshed and with another move of God. And, but no, this is where we enter into the land of promise. Uh, we're into the promised land of the entire Word of God and here we have every divine blessing. We are like Ephesians 1. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you see, we just as Israel, uh, Jacob and his family would be taken down to Egypt and, and they would die down there and of course live for 400 years so the first age left its first love and it started drifting. But now that there has been a journey that has been taking place, actually since the Reformation, and the church, of course, has went down to, um, you know, has went down to Egypt at Nicaea, Rome, and uh, but however, there's been was a deliverance made from Egypt's bondage. And so now to come out was not the promised land, but they were headed toward it. They were making a journey toward it. And so Luther's message was a great message in that it would deliver them from the, the, the bonds of Egyptian, if we'd call it, or Babylonian, or you could call it Roman bondage where the church had been down in slavery now under popes and bishops and ideas of man now for hundreds of years. But now God was bringing an exodus out of that into the promised land and the, the church would start its journey at the Reformation, beginning with Luther and, and uh, go back to, to head toward coming closer to you know, mirroring or looking toward that land of Peter, James, John, and Paul. Right? Amen. So, but now, of course, as Israel would leave the land of Egypt and start along the journey, they would have camps along the road. They would camp in different places. 
these camps would have different names that were given to them. They would be camped at the springs or, or the waters of Mara, or they would be camped uh, finally at Kadesh Barnea and then, then on other camps in the wilderness. Now, of course, you know, the camps along the road for us has been Luther and Wesley and Azusa Street. Now, these are just the major camps are the major stops along the journey. There are now over 40,000 denominations are places where the church is camped. Now, you know, you, you can still see the ashes of the camps. You know, the, the Baptist ashes, the Methodist ashes, where the memories of, you know, where Luther was or Wesley was or how God moved in the ages past. And so you can still find those relics and, you know, uh, st- memorial stones or, you know, where, where they were at. And one of them's called Luther or Wesley or Zuzu Street. But now, uh, again, you know, you know, each one of them in their time has always, has every one of them have come to their own Kadesh Barnea. In other words, to a judgment seat where the decision was made. And where we are today is no longer journeying from one camp to another camp. This message is not about building another denomination. It is not another station along or stopping place in the desert or in the wilderness. But the bride of Christ, I would like to say today, is no longer a wilderness dweller. They're no longer wandering in the wilderness. We have arrived to the land of milk and honey. We are now eating the produce of the land, spoke of here as the old corn of the land. It wasn't that it was old, but it's what what Abraham ate. It's what Isaac had. It's what what all of them down in the past had. That's why they're calling it old corn. You see, this wasn't a part of their wilderness diet. Are you with me? They had manna, which was temporary blessings. That was coming down. And if they tried to keep it over to the next day, it would breed worms and stink. Amen. So it had to be renewed. They would have to, again, every day get a new supply. Now, now I I just want to say we are no longer wandering in the wilderness. But unfortunately, that all who claim the message have not crossed over into this land of abundant resources. They're still on the other side in camps where that they have elected leaders to take them back to Egypt. In other words, to have the similar bondage, to have the similar things, but to go back to the way it was under the spirit of Catholicism. And this, of course, is called Nicolaitanism to conquer the laity, to bring them into bondage, to take away from them the glorious freedom that belongs to us in Christ. Now, as I said, each movement has had its Kadesh Barnea. Every denomination has come to its Jordan where it died, refusing to go in the land and said, not one of them will cross over.
Now, let's, let's understand the Joshua Commission. And, and we're, we're wanting to look at here because we have to have a Joshua to lead us into this promised land. That would be, need to be a transition from the wilderness journey to possessing the promises. Now, so the book of Joshua starts out, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, if you, if you just see here Moses in the type, we, we will see that it types the denominations and the ages. Now, I know you don't like to think of that, but this is the way that Brother Branham typed it. He said, Moses coming through the wilderness here would actually type the denominations and the ages. But the, and the book of Joshua starts out, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Moses would represent the law and a system of religion that had come to its Jordan and it had led them right up to the border, but it could not take them over. Remember this, no denominational or man-made system can ever take you over into the full promise. Only the supernatural workings of Almighty God can do that. Amen. Now, so you see, um, so now we're going, to, we're going to speak about Joshua in the type here in a moment. But Brother Branham says about him, he said, how Joshua must have felt standing that morning, talk to God. I will not fail thee. That as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. In other words, as I I blessed them leaving the bondage of denominationalism and, and starting out, you know, on the journey toward the promised land and the miraculous things that I did, so will I be with you as I was with Moses. I'll be with you. No man shall stand before you all the days of your life. He said, I want to make that way clear. Only be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, I'm with you and I'll see you through. What a commission this was given to the new man called Joshua. So there's been lots of types here we could go into, but he said that we can, we'll bypass some of them. For instance, Moses was like the church age that brought them to Sinai to their theology of last night. Moses was not permitted to take the children of Israel over into the promised land because he had failed. Now, again, he continues to explain, and the church organizations and denominations has failed. They will not take the church over. God will raise up a new system, an interdenominational system. In other words, not, you know, a, 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 a believers made up of all walks of life, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, whatever, coming in. You know, many times people are saying, oh, that we can just have that unity Brother Branham talked about. Well, if you look out here this morning, you will see Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals and Catholic all worshiping in the same building under the unity of the Spirit. The very thing that he desired to see is happen because we heard a voice that said, come out of her, my people. And we have all entered into this promised land. Hallelujah. So you see, and again, so he said it would, it'll take, God would raise up a new system, interdenominational system by the power of God that would take the church into the promised land. 
Now, Moses had failed. He was a lawgiver. Joshua was called to grace, and he took the church over. Moses failed. He could not take them over. This is something Brother Branham would hammer over and over again that, that it would be impossible for them to take it over. Just a minute. Let me just look at my slides just a minute. Let me see where we're at here. I want to just... I just want to see um, where where we're at here, okay? I didn't quite get all the, the quotes that I wanted in here, but nevertheless, we will paraphrase them as we go along. So now, again, as we as we look at this, the jo- the book of Joshua, he said, was the Ephesians of the Old Testament. Now, let's look at it. Like this. You know, Joshua was the book in the Bible where God placed the people into their inheritance, where they took over their land of promise. The book of Ephesians for the New Testament is the book, like Joshua, that places us in our inheritance. Well, what does it do? It begins that you were chosen in him. Before the foundation of the world. What's he doing? He's placing you as to where your origin is so that you would know your destiny. Are you with me? You knew you came from God and you're going back to God. No matter what's in between here and there, that doesn't matter. No matter how many falls and bumbles and mistakes you make along the way, it doesn't matter. What matters is you were there and his thinking there. And he's already seen your destiny. Your destiny has been set to complete adoption of sons by Jesus Christ. In other words, recognition that you're a child of God. That you are an heir to the promises of God. So therefore he has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are a blessed people. In this land. So again, you see the Joshua of the Old Testament was the Ephesians of the, of the is it like the Ephesians of the New. It's a, a book of redemption. So he says again, that book of Ephesians of the Old Testament, Joshua, where Moses represented the law, could save no one, but grace could. And Joshua is here, uh, the same word like Jesus, Jehovah's Savior, now we find out when we come to another, another Ephesians where that in that our intellectual denominations and so forth, all our educational program has come to its Jordan. And then we must have an Ephesians again. You see, this is what Brother Branham was, was telling us that, that all systems of man have come to its Jordan. You know, it, it has come to his time of death. And, and, and there, if they wouldn't go in the land, they went back into wanderings. You know, we, we passed many churches on our way to church today. And, and I just say, God bless them all. You know, I, I, I don't want in my heart to criticize any of them or look down my nose at them. And I don't want you to. 
you know, they're struggling, wandering around the wilderness, many of them circling around the same mountain of doctrines over and over and over again. Because somebody, somebody in that, and where God was moving at that time, they came to their Kadesh and refused to go in. But even then, there may be a Joshua or a Caleb among them that God will pull out and take them in. So we don't throw out criticism at it. There's many, many, many that are like that and God have mercy upon them because, and may there be life for them in the, in the great tribulation or wherever, you know, at the white judgment, throne judgment to come. That's not, that's not for me to decide. What my decision is, what I'm deciding is I must, I must take my inheritance. can't just look at the, uh, them and thou and them, those and what, them and look at them and them. What about you? Are you possessing everything that God said for you? You see, so he would tell us in the breach between the seals, he said that, that this book, this, this seven sealed book, this book of redemption, which is the Bible, is not revealed until the church ages and denominational ages has run out. And there's no more time. It's revealed after the church ages and denominational ages has run out. In other words, we, we have run out of ages. We've come one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. No more ages. Ages are over. Church ages are done. We are here at the very end before the rapture. We're standing right here as the overcomers to be caught up before him in the throne and experience Revelation 4.1. And I heard a trumpet-like voice from heaven saying, come up hither. That's what the trumpet says. If you want to know when the trumpet sounds, it's going to say something. What it is, it is the call to come up here, to leave the earth to leave the, the world of sin that you're in and be caught up. And that happens right at the close of the Laodicean age. And we have arrived. I can point on the map and say, here we are. Not by my authority, a prophet told me. Amen. Now, but he said, but that's the reason the thing's in such a scruple tonight. He said, they pick up a little doctor and they run off on this side and say, this is it. And another picks up another doctor and runs off this side and says, this is it. And each one builds a denomination under until we got hundreds of denominations. But still, it's all, all of it to, to see the confusion. The people are wondering, what is the truth? And, and, and that's it. I mean, if you went on the quest today, how are you going to find truth? There's 40,000 denominations. And by the time you sort through all of them, your lifetime is over. Visiting that one, going here, you know, studying this one. How, how are you going to know? This is why God vindicates a message. To show you with, so you will not have a doubt. Amen, that this is my voice, this is my servant, this is my way. Now, 
what is the type? Why is the type of Joshua entering in the land and possessing, dividing an inheritance? Why is that so important to us? Why are we even looking at that? Because it is a prophecy of our day and represents our message. Now stop for a minute. Remember, remember, I, I try to bring it to you over and over again. That which, is, that which has been done in the Bible, every character of the Bible, all down to the scripture, is a shadow. There's something that is coming, and as it approaches, it makes a shadow. So just like you see the shadow on my Bible, you know, it shows that there is something that is approaching and it's making a shadow, and the, the closer it comes, the more defined the shadow is. If you look right here, you know, you can look, and sometimes it looks like there's actually two or three shadows right there. And this is where people get two or three gods, because in the shadow is not plain. Amen. But when the word comes, and as it, the more it approaches, the clearer and the more defined that it gets. Until the two, the two becomes one. And I want you to know that we are not typing another generation to come. We are the positive of those negatives. They were prophesying of us. We are not prophesying of another age, but we are the age of the fulfillment of all prophecies. So the prophecy of our day, of course, will be found in the scripture. This is why we're looking at, the, at Joshua because Brother Branham said, you know, it's the Ephesians of the Old Testament. It's the placing in the land. And if you go look and see what God did, you'll get an idea of what he's doing now. Now, as we, as we look, it is a prophecy because we too have returned to the land of our fathers. After the church sojourning down in Egypt, Learning Egyptian ways, getting confused on deity, having a Trinity baptism, having everything scrupled and messed up. And God has been bringing us on a journey, the church on a journey to the promised land, to the land of full inheritance. It is the land of the new covenant of Jesus, Peter, James, John, and Paul. It is, it is the land of the prophets, of Elijah, Isaiah, Ezekiel. It's the land of the patriarchs, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is our land. You know, this is where Israel is today. They, they go over there and they dig up at Shiloh and, and they find the, the, uh, the ancient names of, of, the, of the place and ancient names of the people that was there and little clues here and little clues there. Philistines can't do that. Palestinians can't do that. Do, do you hear what I'm saying? All the Arabs can't do that. Only the Jews can do that. Right? Because that's their forefathers. This was their land predated before any of them. 
And I, I want to say this, that this was our land before the Catholics messed it up. Before the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the others made, made a mess out of things. Come on. Amen. This was our land first. And we have returned to the land of the Bible. Amen. To where every divine promise of God that lays in the land is ours. Where that we are fulfilling every type that spoke of the bride. Now, so now as we're looking at this, we're, we're going to, we've talked about Moses and the type. Now, he does, he does not type, and I want to get this clear. He does not in this, in, in this way at all type Brother Branham. He is typing the denominational system. I just read you quotes. I intended to have them up, but I didn't get them, so I read them to you. But nevertheless, as we look here also in Joshua, about Joshua, Joshua type the end time leader to take us into the promised land. I'll read this quote again another time. It might be a little redundant on it, but let me just say, you know, here in this, in this instance where, where that Joshua in the type, Brother Branham, as you know, he would receive the, a hand come down out of heaven. And I'll go into more details than that. I saw the Bible and a hand come, come down in the room and stand where I was at. A hand came from above came down and parted the pages and turned them out and come slowly to Joshua 1 to the ninth verse and stopped going down slowly. So he would actually, the hand would come down out of heaven and point to Brother Branham his commission. Now remember, I want to say it types the end time leader that will take us into the promised land. Now, so again, Joshua in the type, it, it, it shows that in Joshua in Hebrew means savior. It represents the promised end time leader to take the church over. Caleb represents the true believer who stayed with Joshua. Remember, not just Joshua took the land, but there was also the, uh, some Caleb's. Amen. A Caleb that also stood with him and said, we can do it. Amen. So every person has to have their Kadesh Barnea moment and go and say, we can take this land. This is our land. Now, again, Joshua means Jehovah's Savior, and he represents the end-time leader that will come to the church even as Paul came as the original leader, and Caleb represents, Caleb represents that. Now, so here again, Joshua is not Brother Branham. You say, well, but you just said he was. No, he's the end-time leader that uses a man Stop just for a moment. It was, not, it was not Joshua who won the battle of Jericho. There was the Lord himself came down, sword in his hands, and said, this is my battle. And I'm in charge. I'm the captain. I am the leader. I want you to understand. 
understand this, this. We are not following a man and his message. We are following God and his message. But he happens to use a man. I'm going to do a work in that day, and you'll know why I believe it, because a man will bring it. Some men, you know, have that trouble, you know, of, of accepting. But Joshua is the Holy Spirit that would lead the church through his servant, the prophet. The one in charge is the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He stands with his sword drawn, furnishing the battle plans to remove every devil off of the land of promise. Come on. I want to just say today, he's still in charge. He's still with us even now. Amen. He's still the mighty Jehovah with his sword drawn to chase every devil off your land, to give you the battle plan of how to defeat your enemy. I don't care what it is. I don't care what kind of unbelief it is. I don't care what kind of cancer, disease, or what. He is in charge, and he is leading the battle. He knows how to defeat the enemy, and he knows exactly the time. And sometimes he'll just tell you to march around in silence till I tell you to shout the victory. But whatever he is, don't murmur and complain and fuss and wander and ponder and, and say, well, God ain't doing nothing. Yes, he is. Just keep marching like he said. Now, let's remember why Joshua was chosen. Moses had died. Moses represented the law on the wilderness journey. He represents the many camps along the journey. As I said, 40,000 denominations. God had used him. He'd done marvelous things. Great things. As he says in Israel in the church, that Martin Luther saw the pillar of fire move, and when he came out of the Catholic church, he followed the pillar of fire, and he brought 10,000s of them out. And then Martin Luther built under that pillar of fire. And when he got down there, first thing he made, he made a, a great organization. In other words, a camp. They camped there called the Lutheran Church. But one day, the pillar of fire began to move again. But Martin Luther couldn't move because he was organized. He had to stay there. That's right. And a little fellow into England by the name of John Wesley and saw it. And Martin Luther said, the just shall live by faith. And now John Wesley said that Jesus suffered within the, out the gates that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. He's seen sanctification. The pillar of fire moved on. But Luther couldn't move because he was organized. And then he goes on to say, they, then they couldn't move, so John Wesley saw the pillar of fire, and he moved after it. He saved the nation, about three or four nations, was in moral decay, and John Wesley saw the pillar of fire and started the Wesley revival that swept around the world and come out here, him and Asbury and, and them, and saved the day. And then the first thing you know, John Wesley organized so tight, the pillar of fire began to move again. And... and um, and Wesley couldn't move because he was organized. And the Pentecostal people saw it, and away they went. That's right. It left Wesley sitting in the shade, and God laid him on the shelf with Luther. 
All right, now, the first thing you know, they had a great revival, a Pentecost revival, restoration of the gifts, and so forth. And the first thing you know, the pillar of fire has begun to move again. But Pentecost is so organized. It can't go. Brother, that hurt, didn't it? That's good. It's so organized, crystallized, till it can't go. That's right, that's true. But the pillar of fire is moving out. Brother, and there's people that's going with it. Hallelujah. We are bound for the promised land. So you see, at Kadesh Barnea, they were to go up and take the land, but they didn't. They said they were unable, and they brought back an evil report of the land. You know what they said? Let's bring it, modernize it a little bit. They said it was only for God's prophet. It was only for his days. You know, it was only to vindicate him. That John 14, 12 was only for him to fulfill. That prayer lines were for days past. This was the evil report. That tongues and other gifts of the spirit was only for spiritual babies and the immature. That all spiritual gifts were on the shelf. That that which is perfect had come and everything else is done away with. That we don't receive the Holy Ghost as it did on the day of Pentecost and we Gentiles just believe the word. That we call the Holy Ghost just fleshly emotions. An evil report. Notice this as we go in there. this, This is what happened. That the Bible said that in the book of Numbers, remember when they left Kadesh and started their wandering, that immediately they got to thirsting. And they spake against God and Moses and said, wherefore have you brought us up out of this Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither there is any water, and our soul loathes this like bread. Even the revelations and the truths that they had received now become disdained. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among them, and they bit the people, and much of the people died. And this made for dead church members. Don't hang up on me. This is what happened. This made, they, they, you know, God was sending manna, but they complained about that, so God sent them fiery serpents. And they were bit of them. And this made dead church members. For instead of God sending the fire, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he let them suffer the fire of serpents. And now they were bitten. And they die. They become mortified on the pew. Crystallized. Dead. Amen. Sermons become dead. Church members become dead. Dead sermons, you know, make for dead people. Dead sermons kill. Are you with me? This made for denominational pew warming and Christians who lusted for the leeks and garlics, wanting the flavor of education. Every denomination made their schools and seminary to educate their ministry in culinary skills to flavor the food served in their churches. 
Well, let me just quote some of the flavor. Well, the Bible's not to be taken literally. Some miracles were explained away. Moses really didn't cross through the Red Sea, but through a sea of reeds. Before long, the miraculous was explained away, so flavored with Egypt's garlic until not even the virgin birth was believed. They even, even some, uh, some years ago, Brother Branham talks about it, and it's true that the Methodists wanted anything about the blood taken out of their songbooks because they didn't want no bloody, gory religion. You know, some, you, and, and you got work church members out, many of them will not even believe in the virgin birth. And even, I'm going to bring it now, this is a little bit hard, but some within the message community now minimize the corporal physical return of Christ. Saying he's already came when the word was open. And of course he did. He came in the form of the word, but there's still a corporal coming. Are you with me? Amen. So again, others deny the working of miracles and gifts of the Spirit and say they were only for the apostles or, or the prophet to vindicate the New Testament. That's what they would say in denominations. They say it in the message community. That was only now for the prophet. And, you know, that which is perfect has come. We have perfect word. And so speaking in tongues is done away with. That's not what the prophet said. The prophet said, now we do have today by, by divine vindication the, the perfect interpretation of the Word of God. So jumping up and down like a kid and trying to speak with tongues is over. So trying to speak with tongues, getting somebody down the altar and jiggle their chin up and down and manufacture a gift, that's over. But tongues can't be over. That's Bible. A prophet could not even dismiss it and say it's no more applicable. It's the Bible. Paul said, I, I would that you all spoke in tongues, rather, but rather that you prophesied. So the fiery serpents there among many removed the gifts of the Spirit and, 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 and tries to, with the bites, bring that poison in. You see, every generation comes to his Kadesh Barnea. I could bring out quotes to you where Brother Branham would say, Branham Tabernacle, you are at Kadesh Barnea. Pentecost, you are at Kadesh Barnea. You know, again, in every, every age, every time has their own revival. Every move has its own chance at the word. And so everyone will come to their Kadesh Barnea and say, well, we just can't take it. It ain't the season. It's not the right time. We, this ain't for us. And they'll go back into wandering. Every generation has the opportunity to go into the fullness of the word. You have it this morning. Every person sitting on your, this pew today are, in, in this, your own right has had to have your Kadesh Barnea moment. Amen. The Lutherans came out of the Catholic move whose manna had bred worms and stink and, the, and they, the Catholics that stood at Kadesh and were refused 
they were offered to taste the taste of justification and refused to go on and they fulfilled the scripture. Let me see if I have the scripture up. Excuse me here just a minute. All right. So, Hebrews 6, which says, For it is impossible. Here they fulfill this scripture. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift. Catholics would taste of justification. You don't have to be saved by crawling on your hands and knees, doing penance. You can be justified and forgiven by faith. No more do you have to buy a candle and burn for a loved one. They're forgiven by grace. But you see, they would come to that Kadesh moment and refuse to go in and they would die in the wilderness. Now, again, he said, and they have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew themselves to repentance, seeing they crucified the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And every movement down there, there can be no revival. You will not be able to revive Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, none of them. None of them will have a revival. The only revival that there will be is a bride's revival. And we're in it. We're a part of it. And it didn't start at evening like tabernacle. It started because the Lamb took the book and opened up the seven seals, revealing the mysteries of God that started the bride's revival. Now, so the Lutherans came to Kadesh Barnea uh, when, when Wesley brought the fruit of sanctification and offered it to them to taste. And they stayed with their organizational system saying, well, we received from heaven this manna, and it was manna from heaven, but they had kept it over for another day, and it stank and bred worms. Wesley, with his sanctification movement, went forward, but they also came to their Kadesh, refusing speaking in tongues, and they also fulfilled the same scripture. It's impossible to renew yourselves. Because they refused speaking in tongues in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street. So they also fulfilled Hebrews 6 and 4. And then Azusa Street got the taste of the powers of the world to come standing at their Kadesh and refused to go over. Once again, you see, once again, it was here, here they was at Kadesh and they turned back in the wilderness and watched now they will go out there and they will get thirsty and Moses will smite the rock to try to bring them some new thing. Remember, the original atonement is to where, was where the rock was smitten. That was 2,000 years ago at Calvary. You do not have to smite the rock again. You speak to the rock. It's already been smitten. But you see, every movement comes along and it's another smiting of the rock, bringing, trying to bring something new out of Christ, trying to bring a new doctrine, trying to bring a new teaching, starting a new system of organization, another man as a leader. So lack of water at Kadesh caused Moses to smite the rock and there was 
plenty of water in the promised land, but they refused to go over. Did you hear what I said? If they'd have went in the promised land, there was plenty of water. There were streams and rivers and abundance. Miller land flowing of milk and honey. But in the wilderness, they get thirsty again. Now, it's in the wilderness that Moses glorifies himself. And this is the problem. You see, those movements have men as their leaders. And what they do is glorify themselves. Look who we are. We're the great church. And they smite the rock trying to bring out life to the people. And it's not abundant life. Come on. No, it's not about the abundant life lays in the promised land flowing with milk and honey. This is desert out here. Now, so Moses, Brother Branham tells us a message of grace. He said, Moses, that great leader, God should have killed him when he went down there to glorify himself by smiting the rock. And he said, you see what I can do? In other words, you rebels, must we fetch you water from this rock? And he smote it. And the waters didn't come. And he smote it again. What did he do? He testified of the weakness of Christ because Christ was that rock. That's a headstone. Instead of speaking to it, it was smitten once. That's when it was to be. Remember, God told Moses over in Exodus, go and I'll stand before you before the rock, smite the rock. And then he smote the rock and it brought forth waters. The next time you go speak to the rock, it'll bring forth its waters. But Moses wanted to show He had a little authority, a little power. And he said, I'll bring you water out of this rock. And God should have killed him for it. God should have separated him there. He broke God's law there because he spoke of the weakness of Christ. He had to be be smitten the second time. Christ was only smitten once. Now we speak the rock and it brings forth this water. So in the ever-present water from the rock, Brother Branham talks about this, how that Then when they wandered off the path, when they refused to go in at Kadesh Barnea, you know that, and they got into ism and adopted things like Apostles' Creed and catechism and denominations instead of experience and shaking hands instead of a born-again experience, adopted sprinkling instead of water baptism. They adopted an evil form of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost when there's no such a thing in the Bible. The Bible said in the name of Jesus Christ, there's only one thing to do if you you want that same water is come back to the path again. Now, so he goes on to tell, he said, you take the creeds in the stead of Christ. You wander off in tantrums. One said, I'm a Methodist. The other said, I'm a Baptist. That shows you're not a Christian then. We are Christ. We belong to him. Well, if me, a Baptist, it's all right. If that's all you are, then you're none of Christ. You're a Baptist. Well, I'm Pentecostal. If you're just Pentecostal by denomination, that's all you are. But if you've got the Pentecostal experience and the Pentecostal word will bring forth the Pentecostal experience, follow the same thing those disciples did, stay there until you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And then if, you, if that, you get contrary to the word, that spirit in you goes contrary to what the word said, then it isn't the Holy Spirit. It's the devil impersonating the Holy Spirit. So he continues on. And he said Christ was to be smitten once. And he said he smote him now the second time. And he said Moses was setting up something new trying to make 
a new thing. And that's the way our clergymen have done. They try to make something new and we'll make ourselves the assembly of God. We'll make ourselves the Pentecostal church of God. We'll make ourselves the general council. We'll make ourselves this, that, or the other. That's not what God did. That was not his idea. Now, if you bring, it, bring that forward, what have we done? Many, the message community came to its own Kadesh Barnea and we make ourselves tape only or Coleman's Thunders or Vail's Perusia or Two Lord. You know what it is? It's smiting the rock again. It will water a thirsting people, but it doesn't bring them into the promised land. People get excited and have a little revival over this new doctrine, but it don't bring them into the fullness of the promise. They're still in the wilderness. You see, Christ was to be smitten once. That's the original experience. Amen. And, and every, everyone must have that experience. That's the original way. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sin. And we'll spr- we sprinkle the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and give all kinds of creeds and whatever. When we get off the word, you know, that's what happens. You wind up in wanderings. And the same thing has happened in the message community. You see, God is trying to bring us to a place where where that we, we are in the land of promise and subject to everything that is there. You see, that, but he said they're smiting the rock again to start something new. We don't need a new doctrine. And the last thing the message community needs is another man to raise up that knows it all, going to be the Joshua to lead us in, and really it's just a captain to take you back to Egypt again. We've already had the Joshua. And by now you should have crossed over into the land. And if you're not there, the opportunity is still there. The stragglers there, they can still come across the Jordan, still come into the promised land where all things are possible to them that believe, where that every word of promise can be yours. Hallelujah, where the same signs that followed them follows you. Amen. But, but there again, this is what happens is that, that men come along and raise up and try to bring you down, take you to another camp, heading always away from the promised land. Remember, when they came up to Gideon, they moved away from the promised land and go to circle around and around the mountain. Now, we have journeyed a long time. And we needed a Joshua. Amen. And we know that right now even the promised land is inside. And, and, you know, we've had men that raised up through the ages, denominational ages. You know, but the Bible promise that in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he sounds his message, then the mystery of God would be finished. Then there would be a people that would be back in the land. And I just want you to know that God already has his Joshua, the end time leader to take us into the promise. Now, this was, of course, would be the prophet of Malachi 4. He was sent to restore us to the faith of the fathers. 
what Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had, this is what Israel would get. Come on. When they left Egypt and got into the land. The same thing that they had on the day of Pentecost. This is what we are to have right here in the land. Every promise that lays in the Bible belongs to us through the prophet bringing restoration of Malachi 4. So now God had chosen Brother Branham to, to take a message of divine healing. Listen, I, I don't know how we get away from the supernatural. When this message is rooted in the supernatural, Listen, this is not, it, it, it's not rooted in, and somebody just had a good thought or, or you know, studied the Bible and come up with this or that idea. What happened? There was a man there in 1946 being told of his misunderstood ways and, you know, that he was of the devil and he wanted all of these things to, to leave him, these, these visions that he was having. He was told it was of the devil and he, he went away to pray about it. And when he did, there in the middle of the night, here come a light into the room. And out of that light walked a six-foot-tall man, an angel of God, in white robe, hair to his shoulders, looking there at him, and said, I have come from, been sent from the presence of God to tell you of your misunderstood life. And I'm sending you with a message of divine healing. And this is going to forerun the second coming of Christ. This is going to initiate the second coming of Christ. And I want to just to say, we're in it. As a result of that visitation, we are in it. In that, you know, right in that same time frame, 1946, 1948, do you know in that same time frame, here come Israel as a nation? You know, the Bible said that the tree, that when you see the tree, the fig tree puts forth its buds. Israel's a fig tree. And then it says, and all the other trees. So you had then a revival that started taking a place in the denomination. Billy Graham raises up. Come on. You have all Roberts for the Pentecostal, and they've been getting put forth branches. Come on. Amen. The United Nations would start there and gathering the nations together, and, and they're all in this. The World Council of Churches would start at the same time, all gathering together. Are you with me? A revival was going on. And at the same time, the angel of God appeared first to a prophet of God, sending a message. And if you can look and see Israel in their having a revival in their land, and the Baptists and the Pentecostals have their revival, come on, then what about the bride? Because that's what he said, I will restore, saith the Lord. So already God had chosen him to take a message in 1946. Now, in 1951, he would visit South Africa. And he would learn there a very important lesson. Because he had, you know, tried to be interdenomination. You know, I don't care if you're one hump, two hump, camel, whatever, whatever. You, you believe Jesus is coming on a cloud. You believe he's coming on a horse. You know, as long as you believe he's coming. Which is actually the framework of charismatic movement today. We don't really care what you believe just as long as you believe in the gifts. 
long as you believe in healing. So, in 1951, he would go to South Africa. And he would learn there a very important lesson. He would find out that denominations with political men would exalt themselves over the vindicated word and would cause him to stray from the vindicated path. It was in September 1951, which is the beginning of summer for South Africa. Brother Sidney Jackson, he was a man that you might have heard of. Brother Branham talks about him on tape, but he was sitting there, well, you know, one day praying, and he heard himself say, William Marion Branham. Well, this surprised him. He had read about William Branham, the American evangelist, though it had not been on his mind. said, but who was Marion Branham? Was that his wife or, you know, and, and what, did, what did they have to do with missionaries in Africa? And he knew that God was trying to tell him something, but at the moment he didn't know what it was. Well, the following night, it was followed up by a dream that he saw where Brother Branham was sitting in a stadium seat. And he was smoking a cigarette. Well, that troubled him because William Branham had a worldwide reputation as a man of God. Well, you know, why would he dream of such a godly man doing something as such as so unholy as smoking? What in the world was God trying to tell him? A few weeks later, he would find out that William Branham would be visiting South Africa in October. They had a national committee that was formed and it was composed of church leaders from South Africa's three largest Christian denominations, the Dutch Reformed Church, the English Church, and the Apostolic Faith Mission. And they were sponsoring a two-month tour that would shuttle Brother Branham around to 11 African cities. And the tour would begin in Johannesburg on October the 3rd in 1951, and a program had been set up by the National Committee that had approved Brother Branham's trip to South Africa. In those days, uh, you would have to have somebody to sponsor you to come in because to gather a large group of people, especially the blacks and the whites, there was a... Uh, civil unrest in those days and it could cause riots and breaking out and so you know it was tightly controlled by the government but before leaving south africa brother branham had received a prophecy in shreveport right here in shreveport louisiana and god warned him in a dream or actually warned him in a prophecy that satan was going to lay a trap for him in south africa well, you know, he assumed the trap would have something to do with doctors and demons. And, you know, he asked the saints of God to pray. You know, somebody's going to pose my gift of divine healing or I'll be challenged by devils. I don't know what I'm going to face. But, uh, you know, the prophecy had rung out in Shreveport that Satan was going to lay a trap for him. Well, he arrived in South Africa. You know, he asked about his location and he found that the meetings were in Johannesburg and, and God had told him to go to Durban and and he you know he had a desire to go he he, he really didn't want to just preach to the whites he was wanting to preach to the poor blacks who didn't have real opportunity and was was um, you know living a suppressed lifestyle 
Well, in Johannesburg, they would not allow whites and blacks to meet together in a meeting. Only in Durban was this able. But the meetings were started there in Maranatha Park Tabernacle. It was not really an auditorium, but it was an enormous open-sided steel structure with a galvanized roof. And it had once been the Johannesburg Railway Station. But the Apostolic Faith Mission, the largest Pentecostal denomination in South Africa, had purchased this for conference center. And, and the tabernacle covered a, 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 you know, a part of a crowd number around about 15,000 people. Well, and then I, I suppose outside of that could be set many more others. But anyway, when Brother Branham found out what he, where he was, he said, but all I know is that the Lord has spoke to me to go to Durban. Like I said, he would find out later that he would be able to minister not just to the white population, but also the Indian population that was there and the black population. And it would be the only place in South Africa that he would be able to do this. And, and so, but the national committee of these denominational men refused to hear the word from the Lord that the angel instructed him, you know, to stay in Johannesburg and then rest, take a rest with Sidney Jackson, and, and uh, then, after recuperating a bit from the strains of the meeting, go to Durban. And then God said, I'll give you the country. The angel had come and given him exact instructions on what to do. Now, by the time he had met Brother Sidney Jackson, you know, he actually would meet him as he was walking. Him and his wife was walking along uh, uh, the road, and, and he'd stop the, the car and said, and jump out and he said, I want to talk to this man. And he, well, he walks over and he introduces himself. Your name, your name is Sidney Jackson. I've seen you in a vision. And he said, I don't smoke. But your dream means that I'm listening to men instead of the Holy Spirit. And besides, my middle name is Marion. And, you know, then he would, then he, then he would tell the, the men over and again... It is not the will of God for us to take this tour of 11 cities. I am the minister here in Johannesburg. I am to go to rest with Brother Jackson and recuperate from the meetings. And then I'm going to, to Durban. And God said, I'll give you the country. But the national committee was, was indignant to think that this man thought that God only spoke to him. God speaks to us too. And God led us to take this itinerary. And of course their itinerary was denominational minded. It was based on political favors to certain pastors. And of course thousands of dollars had been spent on advertisings and meeting halls and rentals and, and everything else. And so they had quite a bit invested already and made these plans and made these promises. We'll be here this night and there. And people were making vacations and plans and whatever to, to come to those meetings. And here Brother Brandon said, I'm not to do it. And he said, God may have led you to follow this itinerary, but he told me not to do it. So then he would show sign after sign of vindications, telling them things of events. We're going to go and we're going we're to stop here at a little trinket place 
along the road and we'll see a woman there with a scar on her face. And then just as soon as we see her, there will be some kind of a bird I'm not familiar with with that makes a big squawking noise that will fly over. Well, the man, he, he told him, you know, about that. And he said, well, I'll tell you, he said, there's a lot of them vendors along the way. They didn't see any of them. And here they get to the outskirts of where they're going. And, and here, here he, he says, hey, there's, there's a stand right there. So they turn around and go back. And they go back and they said, see, here's that woman with that scarf face. And just as he said that, here comes a big wild peacock flying over, squawking. And there would be sign after sign after sign. He would break off branches as they were headed toward, uh, toward uh, the city, taking him to a city that he didn't, that he was told not to go to. And he'd break off branches and hit them on the feet and say, Thus saith the Lord, we're out of the will of God. So we'll have nothing but trouble from on them. And, and so the committee, however, had set up their own itinerary to go from one small city to another. And it turns out they would dismiss this meeting of thousands where the newspaper was writing favorable articles, where the doctor's association was supporting them and, and everything else. And they had uh, the support of the whole people. And they would close that meeting, these men, and go to another little town that wouldn't accommodate three or four hundred people in the church because they promised brother so-and-so we're going to take him there. And they had to scratch his back and, and, and the backs of the different denominations. You'll have him one night and then we'll have him another night and you'll have him another night. And even brother Bosworth spoke against the instructions of the angel of the Lord after seeing thousands upon thousands of times. And he said, I believe if you'll go with this, these men and do what they said, you know, you're going to see the exceeding abundantly. And they had nothing but trouble after that. You see, and, and the deal of it is, here he is in a strange country. He has no money. And he couldn't do nothing by himself. And now they've dismissed the meetings at Johannesburg. He would have to have the same corporation of the, the corporation of the same men who were now opposing the, his move to, to go back. He was in a terrible fix. And, and, and as he sat there, he remembered the prophecy. Satan's got a trap laid for you. And he realized here was a trap right here among his Christian brethren. The political jaws of the denominational system had snapped closed around him holding him firmly in their cold, unyielding teeth, keeping him from doing what the Lord had told him to do. And his situation seemed hopeless. And so trapped, he told, you know, he couldn't do anything. He said, here I am, strange country, no money. I, the, these are one funded. They won't cooperate. God told me not to do it. They're taking me anyway. What am I to do? And so he told the brothers, he said, we'll have nothing but trouble. We're out of the will of God. We're in his permissive will. He said, well, if it's his permissive will, won't you go ask God if we can have his permissive will? Let me tell you something. You always want to walk in God's perfect will. Permissive will will cause you a lot of trouble. Now, if you're predestinated, you'll finally get back on the path of the perfect will. But you didn't have to go. Come on. 
I want to say this. Jonah, you know, Jonah could have done what God said. He didn't have to take a ship to Tarsus. He didn't have to take a ride in the well. He didn't have to have three days and nights in a dark belly of a well and seaweed and vomit around. He didn't have to suffer like that. He could have just did what God said. But he was stubborn. And he wanted his own way, and he ran from the presence of God. And what happened? He got into trouble. And so will you. You want to stay in God's perfect will. Come on. Amen. You know, so trap, he, 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 he had to ask for God's permissive will. The angel of God came, and he said, the men want to know. Can I go? Can you give me your permissive will? He said, you can go, but you will pay for it. Now listen, he was training his prophet for a greater job. And Brother Branham would suffer for months and months, almost dying from an amoeba. And although the meetings were tremendous and miraculous, he finally did get to, to Durban, but it didn't even come close to God's full blessings. And after his return to the States, the doctors tried to cure him, and he came close to the point of death, and the angel of the Lord would not speak to him. He would go for months, and the angel would not visit him. And after months and months of suffering, even the doctor said, you're just so close to it getting in your blood. Once it gets in that bloodstream, you're dead. And you're so close, it's breaking out now. And there's nothing we can do. It's, you know, you, you're, you're gone. You might better put your house in order because you're, you're a dying man. And there, after pleading, repenting, calling on God, finally the angel of the Lord appeared and he told him he was forgiven. And he would have no further issues from the amoeba. He would actually go back to the doctor that day and get another test. Said, do another test. Well, we did it yesterday. Well, get another one. Said, the Lord visited me. Did another test. Said, I don't know what to say, but you don't have not one sign. But during the visitation from the Lord, he was startled to see his Bible rise up off of the nightstand by the bed. And float across the room and stop in front of him. And it was, and, it, and as it was still hanging there, it was open to Acts chapter 27, where Paul was speaking to the crew of his prison ship during a ter- terrible storm. And, 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 a, and there a hand appeared above the text and pointed to the verses while he read. Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Sirs, You should have hearkened to me and not loosed from Crete to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer for I believe God that it shall be even as he told me. And as soon as he finished reading this portion of Scripture, that same floating hand 
took and flipped the Bible right over to Joshua chapter 1. And it pointed at verse 2 and followed down the lines and said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, to the land which I give them. Even to the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have I given to you. And then he seemed to stress, verse 5 and 6, there shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people thou shalt divide an inheritance which I swear unto their fathers to give them. I want you to notice, here's a commission. Here the finger is going right down Joshua chapter 1. And as it is, it's given him a commission and said, you will divide for inheritance the land which I swear to their fathers to give them. Just be strong and courageous that I may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from the right hand to the left, that thou may prosper wherever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in it day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. So you know, now reading that, he had to understand how that Joshua chapter 1 applied to him. As I was with Moses, as I, as I have led them out of bondage, as I brought them to this place, so will I be with you. And it was God's declaration of his commitment to this ministry. And, and, he, and here he was showing a specific connection between his ministry and Joshua's. That's why I, hear, why I say you hear anybody else say, well, we're the Joshua raising up. You know that ain't true. God already sent the Bible down. And the angel of God, come on, a hand going right down and saying, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. It was God commissioning him to lead the church into a spiritual promised land. The same way that Joshua had, had led Israel into a natural promised land. So he said, be of good courage. You know, thou shalt, uh, and this people shall divide for an inheritance of the land. So this would be the job or the work of the seventh angel messenger. He would be sent to do what? To divide the inheritance. Now, you say, Brother Tim, why would the inheritance need to be divided? Why would it need to be defined? You know, why would he have to, okay, Joshua would have to know what belonged to Israel, what lands they were to possess. Are you with me? So they would, he would have to know what lands. So he, he would tell them, now, Moab, don't bother them. I've given the children of Lot an inheritance. Leave them alone. He would say of Esau, Edom, he said, leave Esau alone. I have given him the Mount Seir. Don't try to take that. 
Here is the definition of your borders. From the river Euphrates to the sea. And he would go and define the borders to tell them what belonged to Israel. What was theirs to possess. Now you say, well, how is that applicable to us? Well, how in the world do you think then that we, how in the world do you think at all that we as as the people of God would know what to possess if we're over here trying to be the 144,000. Or if we're trying to be the multitude without number coming out of great tribulation. Amen. We have to know what is our inheritance. What is our borders. I'm glad to know that our borders do not extend over into the tribulation. Amen, that that the rapture takes place before the tribulation. Amen, how do we know that? Because we have had a Joshua and said that does not belong to the bride. It belongs to the church who will go through the tribulation. But for you, there is nothing of that. Don't worry about it at all. No matter how hot the winds of tribulation are blowing and what you feel around you of pre-tribulation problems that are coming, you can know this. Amen. He's got to stop because it's not our land. You're going to be raptured out of here before that time. You don't have to be the 144,000. You don't have to be a tribulation saint. You have been called to a promised land and God has defined your borders. Well, but everything in the book is mine. No, the great whore ain't yours. Her destruction ain't yours. Tribulation ain't yours. We say every promise, you know, in the book is mine. No, every promise for the bride is mine. There's some things I don't want. There's some things that ain't for us. Are you with me? So you see, again, again, what lays in the land? I mean, what are we looking forward to? Israel would go back to their land in 1948 and they would say, we have come to see the Messiah. And that's what I want you to know here. We have returned to this land to see the Messiah, to have a people ready for his namesake. It is time for this scripture to be fulfilled. Brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit corruption. But behold, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep. I'm telling you what's in the land. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. And that last trump shall sound. And Revelation 4 says, it says, come up hither. Amen. And the dead shall rise incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah. That lays in the land. Now we know. Now we know who it was that God would use to by the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit's the leader. Is the Holy Spirit still here? Brother Branham may be gone, but the Holy Spirit is still here. 
but it's the Holy Spirit still here using a vessel. Look, so, so he, would, he would tell us, you know, that it would represent the end time leader. Now, so now in there, we, we see that the promised land is now coming in sight. As, as, he, as he said, I lost my thing. Well, it's under my Bible. Yeah, there it is. So, you know, you know I, now he said, let's stand like Joshua and Caleb. Our promised land is coming in sight as theirs did. Jo- that, uh, Joshua means Jehovah's Savior, and he represents the end-time leader that will come to the church, even as Paul came as the original leader. Now, then notice here in the message paradox, he would have, he would have a vision there as, as um, uh, there. He said, I was coming down to the Jordan. It looked like I was standing on the map of Palestine. And as I was coming to the Jordan, it seemed like I could hear, I could hear them sing the song. I'm going down to the Jordan. Someone was singing it. And as I drew near the river, I looked back and seen which way I'd come. And I was two-thirds of the way there to the Jordan. And I looked across Jordan. And I said, oh, praise God. Just on the other side. It's where all the promises lay. Every promise lays in the promised land. Can't you see now this is why we want to be in the promised land? Because it's there every promise is laid. Now then he would have the vision of the binding of the, of the, of the mamba serpent, you know, which is death. And when the serpent is to be bound and death is defeated by an end time people, for we are to be alive and remain at the coming of the Lord and be changed in a moment and a twinkling eye. The only people as a group who defy death, who defeats death. Are you with me? So he comes down the end of his sermon now in paradox. Now you see what coming down to Jordan meant. We're down here now, let's cross over. Let's quit playing. This is good admonition for all of you. Let's cross on the other side because it all belongs to us. It is all ours. The visions has never failed. They can't fail because they come from God. I believe it with all that's within me. We're not the hireling that will run back in the wilderness. We'll cross Jordan to separation. Then he says, God, break to us the seals that's on the back of the book. Let us enter into this great place now. For Joshua divided to the people their inheritance that God left for them. Amen. So again, what was it? Now notice what it would be with God breaking the seals that would bring us across Jordan. The book, the land had to be open. It had been sealed with seven seals. Amen. The mysteries of it were not known. Men had probed at it, but they didn't know it. They could not know it until the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he began to sound his message. Are you with me? Now, 
So there again, our Ephesian, our Joshua, which means the Holy Spirit. Joshua means Jehovah's Savior. Joshua means the Holy Spirit represented as the spiritual, as it was in the natural. And he's our great warrior. He's our great leader. As Joshua, God was with Joshua, so is God in the Holy Spirit moving us about. And when sin comes in the camp, the Holy Spirit demands a halt. What's wrong in this church? Something's wrong. Now, oh, can't you see how we got too many sons of Kish now? Too many souls coming from seminaries and theological schools and going out and teaching perverse things. As the Bible said, they would do seemingly not having the faith, separating themselves from you, having no fellowship with you, and having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof from such turn away. And I just want to say, how many souls have we seen raised up? Men, who, men, men that were made king by the people. Are you with me? Amen. But just, just again, they come from, from theological school. In other words, educated men educating themselves into the truth. And they wind up bringing perverse things. And then they separate themselves. And now you've got to come to us or you don't, you're not a part of it. And where is the power? Where is the courage to defeat Goliath? Where is the power in the church? Amen, to cast out devils. What has it been? Too many souls have risen up. Men who were not called of God and ordained of God. Amen. Now, notice here as we go on in the message adoption, he said, he speaks of this, how that Moses, the great miracle performer, brought him down, down Israel, down to the land, brought them to the promised land, but did not place their inheritance to them. He did not give them their inheritance. He led them up the land, but Joshua divided the land to the people. Is that right? And Christ brought the church up to a place where their possession was made to them, was given to them just to Jordan to cross. But the Holy Spirit is the one who sets the church in order. The Joshua today puts the church in its order, given to each one, not taken away. Given to each one gifts, places, position. And he is the voice of God speaking to the inner man that Christ has saved the Holy Spirit. Now, do you get that, that much of it? We're, we're getting over into the book of Ephesians. That, that's the way he positionally placed in the church where they belong. And Joshua placed them in that natural land. And the Holy Spirit is placing the church positionally in the land that in the position they belong in, their inheritance. Amen. Now, so again, as we, as we look at this, and I'm just going to skip down through some of this right here because I, I want get to get so, to, to some of this as we go along. Now, going here, you know, you cannot, you cannot break one of these types. There has to be a people in this last day crossover. And like I said, I believe we have. I believe that's what this message has done. I believe it's sent us to Joshua of this day, the Holy Spirit, to lead us to the land. And it has to speak through somebody because he's the Spirit. So God would choose a messenger of Malachi 4 to do that. Right? Amen. So the Holy Spirit would come among the church to get the people ready, get among the people to get her ready to go up. 
Now, let's go on down just a little bit. But what is the old corn? In the wilderness, they had the manna. But in the promised land, they ate the grain produced in Canaan. No longer wilderness food, but the same food that Abraham had eaten. If you watch this translation, it doesn't say old corn. It means it says they ate the fruit of the land. Notice here, you know, the first thing that would happen would be the Passover. Think about it. They couldn't have the Passover in the wilderness. There was no grain. Come on, only manna. There was no grain. They couldn't make bread, unleavened bread. So it was only till when they come into the land could they come now into the Passover. Only in there would they circumcise the new generation. Only in there in the land. Are you with me? Amen. Would be there where that they would now come and eat of the old produce. The same thing. The same food. The same food that Isaac drew and during a famine he planted rather than going down to Egypt but stayed in the land where God told him and during the famine reaped a hundredfold. You know, I ought to tell you, stay in the promised land. Stay in the word. You want to be blessed? That's where you're going to find your blessing. Amen. Now, so again, again, stay in that promised land. Now, the book of Joshua starts out Moses, my servant, is dead. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go just a little longer now, just so hold on your seat. I hope you brought a big vessel. The book of Joshua starts out, Moses, my servant, is dead. Remember, it represented the law, a system of religion. It was dead. It came to Jordan. It left him right, right up to the border. And in the land, the whole word would be opened up. Even the seven thunders of Revelation 10. The thunders are the voice of God sealed up for the last age. For those who had entered the land, they would, they would be heard and, and, and revealed and opened the seven-sealed book of Revelation. In other words, open the entire word of God back to us again. Amen. Now, so the book of Joshua starts out, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, this has been used by every kingdom builder who builds their own mini denomination. They, they take Brother Branham and type him as Moses and say, okay, the prophet's dead. Moses is dead. So now I'm going to lead the bride into the land of promise. But Moses didn't type Brother Branham. Joshua was his type. The angel said, as I was with Moses, as I've used down through the ages, as the Spirit has moved and led them from place to place to this land, I will be with you. Same pillar of fire leading. Are you with me? Amen. But as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. You are the Joshua with a commission to place the people in their inheritance. Now, some of you might have heard of, of Brother Joseph Coleman, who back in the 70s, he started the Seven Thunder Movement. And, uh, and, and then 
and then with the seven thunder movement there, he, he um, said that they were the seven virtues that Peter wrote. And, they, and they, there's a whole movement out there, a whole camp, still out in the wilderness wandering around. They claimed that Brother Coleman was to Joshua after Brother Branham. That like Moses was dead, now he was to lead the bride over to place her into inheritance. He thought his ministry was needed to be, bring clarity. And it only muddled the truth. Until many of more, many people will not even mention the seven thunders because they don't want to be identified with that and it's become a scarecrow. Now, again, I want you to remember, every time one of these movements rise up, it is smiting the rock again. And it's a man exalting himself, see what I can do? And when it does, yeah, people get a revival and people jump and shout and people go on, but... It don't take them to the promised land. From there they get bit with fiery serpents. Now, let's go a little further in this. As far as the thunders being virtues, there's not one place in the message where Brother Branham says the thunders were the seven virtues. Because how could Peter write what John was forbidden to? Now, some of you, maybe you don't know, and, and maybe, maybe I should take a little more time with this, but maybe, maybe sometimes you don't know, and you don't understand what the seven virtues are. But Peter said right here, he said, and besides all of this, did I miss that? It's right there. Yeah. Peter, Peter remember Peter Peter wrote and said, besides all this, given all diligence, add your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and godliness, brother kindness, and brother kindness, charity. So that you see there are seven adds, seven virtues to add to your faith. So, you know, they are virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. And they propose that these are the thunders. And, of course, that was wrong. They are not the thunders. Now, what are the seven thunders, and why are they important to us? Because we need the voice of God, which a thunder is a voice of God. But it's something that was said that wasn't meant for that time. And so it was sealed up until the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he begins to sound. Now, so you see, so this is why Brother Branham, you know, is asked the question. He said, have the seven thunders which equal the seven mysteries already been revealed? Were they revealed in the seven seals but not known yet and yet to the thunders yet? No, they were revealed in the seven seals. That's what the thunders was about. So if you want to know what the thunders are, they were revealed in the seven seals. You see, it was written in symbols. But the mystery couldn't be made known to the last day because it would be for the people who came back to the land to open up the land, to unseal the book, to bring us into the fullness of the word. 
So you see, they were revealed in the seven seals. That's what the thunders was about. Now, if you want to know what the thunders are, there it is. And guess what? It didn't take me to bring it. It didn't take some other preacher to rise up. It didn't take somebody else. A prophet in this day heard the voice of God. Every, every day, I was about to make a horrible mistake. I was going to take what others had said about the seal. and I read there about Smith and this and the other. But about that time, he came in the room. And he changed my thinking entirely. And now we know that which was written in symbol, amen, which was left for a later day, amen, and the interpretation left for another day, but had to be written in the Bible because you can't put an addition to the Word of God. So it had to be written in the Word. So now a prophet comes in the last day with divine interpretation and says, here you are. Here is the first seal. And it is not Christ. It is the Antichrist. And it's not riding in the tribulation. It's starting out over here in this first age and begins its ride. And it's the Antichrist. How did we know that? The thunder, the voice of God spoke it. What was once misunderstood now becomes revealed. Amen. Now then, notice this. The seven thunders are the revelations contained in the seven seals. The messenger of Malachi 4 and Revelation 10, 7 is going to do two things. One, according to Malachi 4, he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Two, he will reveal the mysteries of the seven thunders in Revelation 10, which are the revelations contained in the seven seals. It will be these divinely mystery revealed truths that literally turn the hearts of the children to the Pentecostal fathers exactly so. So you see, it's really important. It's not something to be glossed over. It's something that must become understood. What is a thunder? A thunder is when God says something but he doesn't want it known yet. Or he says something, and it's not for those that are nearby, it's for a particular person. Now, I want you to understand, the seven thunders was not for the first age. The second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. The seven thunders would be reserved to the people of the end time. Look here. Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. He's on the way to the cross. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I in the world. Father, glorify thy name. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said, it thundered. Others said, an angel spoke. But Jesus knew what it meant. It was a message to him, amen, saying, I have both glorified and will glorify it again. And the others standing by only heard a thunder. Now, for seven ages, that's all we heard was thunder. 
God had said something, but we didn't know what it meant because it wasn't for them. Do you realize what I'm talking about now? Because it's for you. It's for you. It's a word reserved for an end time people. Are you with me? So God would hold it back. You see, because in it, he would have to tell you, you're, this is the last age. Well, he couldn't let them know in that first age. Now, there's going to be 2,000 years and seven church ages. So he wrote it in symbols unto the angel of the church of Ephesus and the angel of the church of Smyrna and, and the seven stars in the hand of John. Oh, nobody knows what all of this means. Or when it applies, I've heard preachers preach. United Pentecostal preacher, one of their one of their top men was I heard him preach and say, Well, I believe we are in the Philadelphian church age. I said, You're an age behind, buddy. But you don't know. And I wouldn't know. But God sent a prophet and vindicated him, so I would know. Because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. So he would write it in parables and symbols that would not be understood until the last day when a people had come back to the land again and the land that would be opened up, that would open up every promise of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's just look at this for a minute. I'd like to carry this one more scripture down. I hope you can read this, but it says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, his feet as pillars of fire. And I've been through this many times with you. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right hand upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as the lion roared. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered. I want you to see something here. There are seven seals right there. Right? Seal up. Those things, seven thunder voices sealed up, seven seals. What's now? And I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand up on the sea, up on the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, swear by him that lives forever, who created heaven, the things that therein are, and the earth and the things which are therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer And actually, if you look at the translation, it says that there would be no more delay because God was delaying the understanding of this voice of God until the last days. And then he says, but, now wait a minute. It says up here in verse 5 or verse 6, try it again. No, verse 4, seal up the things with the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And then explains that he declared, though it wouldn't always remain closed. So he lifts up his hand to heaven and swears, there's going to come a time when I'm not going to hold this back any longer. When there's a people on the earth 
to possess the land of promise who are going to go into their inheritance. And when it does, what is going to happen? Seal it up. Now watch. And there's coming a time there'll be no more delay. But in the days of the voice. You know, I think Brother Aaron is a pretty good fellow, but I think Brother Joe does pretty good with his money, but I think David Butts is a, he works, does a, has an important job at the hospital, but I wonder what's coming after You never start a complete thought with but. But I love Brother Joe. <laughs> but you don't start a complete thought with but. People pull this one scripture right out and they start with but. And they believe this part here. But, but what? But what? Seven thunders have been sealed up. And I'm telling you, you know, don't write it. But. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he starts sounding his message, this mystery, this mystery, will no longer be a secret. I'm going to make it known to an end time people so they will hear the voice of God for the last days to know they are in the land and this is their divine promise. And because of that, every promise in the book is now opened up to you. Healing is yours. Salvation is yours. The Holy Ghost is yours. The power of God is yours. Predestination is yours. Security of believers is yours. The correct baptism is yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. It's all yours. The land lays ahead. Go and possess it. Hallelujah. Go possess it. your inheritance possess the land of promise you have arrived you're in the land no more journeying in the wilderness no more camps in the wilderness no more wandering around and around it's all over we have arrived to the land of milk and honey possess your inheritance Possess your inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's worship God. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 When John saw the book unsealed, everything in heaven and earth began to hear him say, glory and honor and power belongs to you. It causes all to worship him. And when you see that the book is open, you can worship him. I praise you, Lord, for my healing. I praise you for my deliverance. I praise you for your salvation. I praise you for my children. I praise you for 
because you are doing great things. Amen. And you haven't ceased doing great things, but you're Alpha and you're Omega. You're the beginning and you are here at the end. You are the root and you are now the offspring. You are the all and the all. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Peter Gailey, come down. We're going to pray for you right now. We're in the land. Healing's in the land. Miracles are in the land. Our brother here sojourned down. Came from Evansville, Indiana. As a young boy, moved down to New Orleans. Lived here a long time, I guess. Wound up in Arizona and now has moved back to Louisiana. Welcome home. Welcome home. That's what I want to hear him say to me. Now, welcome to Louisiana. Welcome home. recover they will anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick and God shall raise them up isn't that a promise and the promise is to you and to your children even as many as the Lord our God shall call aren't you glad he's still calling I'm glad he's still calling father in the name of Jesus I lay my hands upon the I curse the infirmities that's in his body. Command them to go now in the name of Jesus. It's the word of promise. And it is ours, Lord. It's part of our inheritance. It's what's in the land. You said in my name they will cast out devils. Sickness is a devil. It's a demon. We command the thing to go now in the name of Jesus. Using the authority that's vested in us as a servant of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Go take your inheritance. Amen. God bless you.
thankful we have an open book today. Amen. Amen. That's why we praise him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer him our everything. Amen. I believe we serve a God who's definitely worthy of all our praise. Amen. Let's sing this together. He came to live, live a perfect life. He came to be the living word our life. He came to die, so we'd be reconciled. He came to rise, to show His power and might. 
That's why we sing That's why we offer Him our everything That's why we bow down and worship this King For He gave His everything Yes, He gave His everything forget at five o'clock today is a little Christmas play from the Sunday school kids. Amen. I encourage you to come out and support that. They work hard on it and they do a very good job. If you haven't been able to come, you missed a lot. Amen. So try to come to this and be a part of it. Be at five o'clock. Also at three thirty, the kids have to be back here to get ready. And so remember that somebody, everybody say three thirty. All right. Five o'clock. All right, we got it. God bless you. Also, I had Malachi Salinas here with us. God bless you today. Glad you was here with us. Amen. Let's go and praising God. That's why we praise Him. That's why we sing. That's why we offer everything. See you again in a few moments. Well, that's why we praise Him. That's why we sing.